Uh, I want you to just have a seat. I feel like I have a prophetic message to share with you tonight. Uh, that I, if you're in the room tonight, boy, this don't don't whatever you do, don't sit in that chair tonight and think, boy, I wish so and so was here. Because evidently God thought you needed it because He got you here. <laughs> and so, so we're just gonna we're gonna go after the heart of God tonight. Man, aren't you grateful to be in a place of God's presence? I tell you, there's nothing like it. I tell you, you can have a theology about the omnipresence of God and yet walk around and never be aware of it. But when you walk into the manifested presence of God, you know he's here. You know he's here. All the walls that you came in dealing with, you suddenly just feel like they're not a wall at all. All the boundaries. Well, if you have your Bible and your seatbelt, go to 2 Samuel chapter 5. Tonight, I want to speak to you a message called the God of Breakthrough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys have been praying with us this week. I hope that you have. I don't know if, uh, if uh, you have friended me yet on Facebook, but there's some, I do a, a little Bible study, a little devotional every morning, and it is there in that place where the prophetic meets the scripture and God releases a timely message, I believe, for us as a body, for the body of Christ. And uh, all this week, there has been one theme. There is one theme. Just shout it out if you know it. Come on, it's breakthrough. This is a week of breakthrough. This is a week of breakthrough. And, and I'm believing breakthrough. Listen, I'm believing breakthrough for big things. That somehow... The, the hinge of history is going to swing on COVID-19 because there was a company of people in Inverness, Florida who dared to pray and believe that God would bring this crisis to an end. I just wonder, are you ready to believe with me? Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to enter in? God gave you some keys, not so you could jingle them and say, hey, by the way, I go to church. I got the keys of the kingdom. You just rattle them and you never use them. God wants you to step into this moment you're made for this moment. He gave you keys to the, of authority for this moment. You're going to wield those moments, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to open doors, and what do you open the doors to? Everything that's the will of God in your life. Everything that's the will of God for this region. You open the door, and you say, God, you just bring in love and peace and healing and salvation and awakening and revival. We open the door to it, and you use your mouth. But then, you know what else you use a key for? To shut the door and lock it and close it on the enemy. And that's what we're doing. Come on right now. Just lift up your hands. We're going we're gonna to do what we do every day. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we close the door on COVID-19. We close the door, God, right now on this virus, God. And we dare, Lord, just to be a people who are radical enough to believe your word, God. That, Lord, whatever door we open, no man can shut. And whatever door we shut, no man can open. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, we shut the door on this virus and we stop its advance in our region, in our state and nation. We take the keys of authority given to us by the risen Savior and we wield them tonight and we close the door on this sickness and we open the door tonight to health and healing. 
We open the door to health and healing in Jesus' name. We open the door to the miraculous provided to us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the broken body offered for our healing. God, we open the door to it tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, the God of breakthroughs in this room. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 17 and read down through verse 25. Should be on the Bible app if you want to follow us there. Or you could go, you know, to Bible 1.0 and just turn the pages and they still work. Hallelujah. I want to, want to share with you what I believe is a... a, a, a a prophetic message tonight to position you to experience the God of breakthrough. You know what I, I, I've grown weary of? Here's what I've grown weary of as a pastor. Not pastoring, I love you. I love doing what I do. Here's what I grow weary of. I grow weary of, as a church, having a theology about God, yet having very little experience about that theology. I grow weary of reading within the pages a God who breathes and sees part and millions of people walk through on dry ground and somehow, some way in this day, we stumble through life and we can't even deal with honesty. We can't keep marriages together. We can't, and God breathes and sees part and millions of people walk through. This is the God we serve. He is the God of breakthrough. And I believe tonight God's going to elevate your faith in whatever you are in need of breakthrough. It could be, as Pastor Corey mentioned, that you need a breakthrough in a bondage area. I'm telling you, he's a bondage breaker. Yes. We prayed it this week. Paul and Silas were in a prison, bleeding, bruised. And here they did at midnight. What in the world? What are you doing at midnight 2,000 years ago? You know when the electricity goes off during a hurricane, everybody's in bed by 7.30. <laughs> Ain't nothing to do. You're not surfing, you're not scrolling, you're not watching. But somehow something kept them up. I don't know what kept them up, but something kept them up in Acts 16. And there at midnight, they started lifting up a song. Yeah. And God came and shook the prison because of two guys worshiping. Here's the thing, though. They weren't the only two that got set free. The God of breakthrough came in. And he broke up the foundation of the prison so it could no longer hold prisoners. And not only that, not only did their door come open, but every, every prison door came open and every chain fell off, even of the prisoners who had been rightly convicted of their crimes. Oh, you better think about that for a minute. I know some of you came in here with your false humility saying, oh, I deserve what I'm going through. You don't know what I've done. Well, just get around a worshiper because your chain's about to fall off. The God of breakthrough is coming in tonight. Just get into a place of worship. And the God, God's going to break up the foundation of that prison of shame where you say, oh, you don't know. Yeah, that's why I'm going through. I made all those bad decisions. And here I am chained up in my little prison of pity. I got good news. Paul and Silas refused to, to play the victim card in their jail cell. 
They just started lifting up a praise. They started lifting up a voice to God. And the God of breakthrough came in. To, and when he, I, I don't know if God showed up for the other people. All I know is God showed up for those two and the whole place got set free. So I, I just wish two people in here would just move heaven. Because all the rest of us would get free too. That's the God of breakthrough. That's the God of breakthrough. That's why students, you don't, need, you, don't, you don't need 900 students to be in revival. You just need a handful of students who would dare to offer a praise in a place. Oh, it's so locked down. It's like a prison now. It's so, y'all got to walk, walk three miles to get to the class next door. You can't even walk. Everybody's got to go a different direction. You got to walk this way, walk that way. Everybody's walking around, chained to every rule. And listen, I believe in the coronavirus is real. I believe in all of that. But I just believe there's a God of breakthrough. There is a God of breakthrough in this area for us. He wants to come. He wants to come. So if you're here tonight and you're like, man, these are a bunch of radicals. Well, good news. Good news for you. You get to leave free of your chains too. Come on. Hallelujah. All right. That was free. By the way, it's all free. We never take an offering on first Wednesday. <laughs> Just letting you know. Second Samuel chapter 5. Are you there? Awesome. We're going to begin in verse 17. If you don't have a Bible, Bible app, we'll have it up on the screen for you. It says this, now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went, went down to the stronghold. The preacher in me wants to stop. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal Perazim and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perazim and they left their images there and David and his, and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once again, deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord and said, you, uh, 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 and said, he said, should I go up against them? He said, you shall not go up, circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. Now, this is a story where everything is finally coming into alignment. Everything is finally getting into its place. David has gone uh, through the moment of being totally forsaken, being hunted for his life, having to live with his mighty men, which were really just a bunch of crazy people that God touched, that God was using. 
He was being chased for his life, and then finally he, he became, uh, uh, he actually went and lived with the enemy for a while. Then he comes back, and he's finally, he, he's crowned king over part of Israel, and now he has finally come in to his calling. That which was he, he was anointed for years and years and years before. The touch of God was on David years and years and years before for this moment that he has finally entered into. And here's what I believe. Many of you have had a touch of God from years and years and years ago, and this is your moment where you're ascending into the place that God has called you to the place of authority the place where you're going to see things snap into place the place where you realize this is what I was made for I wasn't made for the rat race I wasn't made to just be part of the system I was made to live for the kingdom I was made for kingdom advancement I was made to rule and reign and bring in the benevolent rule of Jesus everywhere I go that's what I was made for and David finally ascends to the throne but I want you to see this, and many of you are experiencing this right now. You're coming into a place. You're growing maybe like never before. But look at this. When he comes into his place, what happens? The Philistines heard about it. The Philistines. You know the Philistines. Probably... The, 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 the greatest army the Israelites would ever fight. It's the Philistines. You remember the guys who backed up Goliath. Those guys. All these years later. I mean, by this time, remember the promise they made on the field when Goliath fell? Whoever's champion wins, we will be the other army slave. Where is that? Oh, but David remembered. David remembered because he was there with a pouch and a stone. And by the way, he didn't kill him with a sling and a stone. He actually took his own sword and chopped Goliath's head off with it. Took it to Jerusalem, by the way. The place that one day would hold the temple of God. He took it and put Goliath's head on the stake as a message to the Jebusites. Oh, it's good. We're taking ground. But what happens when you start to grow? The enemy begins to move. You need to write this down. You can expect opposition when God moves. You need to expect opposition. I don't know. I, uh, you know. I don't know what your idea of Christianity is. I don't, I'm not real sure. But when, when Jesus speaks words like, blessed are you when men shall revile you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely. Blessed. You do know the first definition of blessed is happy. Favored to be envied. I'm envied when people are talking bad about me for his name's sake. Oh, yeah. Why? Because when you start coming into your place, the enemy gets moving. And here's where many immature Christians stop. Right before the God of breakthrough wants to show up. They come into their place 
And all they have to hear is the rattle of the sword of the enemy. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not made for that kind of fight. I'm backing up from that. I listen to all those, man, feel-good messages. Come on, give me some stuff for these itching ears. I need you to know that you coming into your place in God will be met with opposition. It will be met with opposition. The good news is that you're not being opposed by yourself. And I don't want you to ever think for a moment that God has left you alone because he hasn't. I love, I love what, 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 what God reveals in the scripture. It says the Philistines went up to search for David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. Now, what it means is, is that he leaves Jerusalem and he actually goes back out to the desert. The caves of En Gedi. And there, that's where most people think he went. He went back to those caves, back to those strongholds, back to that place. You remember, remember Saul crept in the cave one day because uh, he had Mexican the night before? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. So he goes to rest. And David's in the very cave and comes and just nicks off his robe. He could have ended his enemy there, but because he was a man of honor and he honored the anointing that was still on Saul because he was king, he actually repented of even cutting the edge of his garment. But that place was such a stronghold that the enemy could walk in the cave and David would be safe. And it says, and David then went down to the stronghold and inquired of the Lord. I love this. This is what God does. He teaches us about where to come and find him. But I want you to also notice not where we just find God, but where we find the enemy. Because the, the enemy is in a valley called Rephaim. That doesn't mean anything to us. We're not Hebrew. But it meant everything to David. Because the Philistines came back, the enemy, and arrayed in the valley of what? Giants. The valley of giants. And the enemy comes and he's, he's, he's taking up his place and he's, he's saying, listen, you may have had your victory over one giant, but now we're coming with many giants. And I feel like the church right now is staring down the eyes of many giants. And the enemy is saying, listen, I know you may have conquered the one sin issue in your life, but what are you going to do when the economy shakes? I got that giant is standing here. That giant that says you won't make it unless you have a dollar. Listen, listen, that is a devil spirit called mammon talking to you, by the way. That is a devil spirit called mammon. You will make it. You know why? Because my God shall supply all of my need. You need to stare down. There's some other giants. There's other giants. There's a giant on our land right now that is saying, hey, listen, you won't be healthy. No way. 
You're not going to be healthy. There's a giant staring down the church right now. It's a giant saying this, you better shut up and sit down. It's standing up in our line, uh, in our day, and it's this giant is yelling at the church today saying, if you declare the Bible, it is hate speech. It's a giant. It's a valley of giants, church. It's a valley of giants. And all in a moment, when we're coming into our place, the very place God has anointed us for, and all of a sudden, all these giants show up. You say, what's the enemy trying? What are, we, what are we trying to learn here from God? Here's what we're trying to learn. Intimidation is the weapon of the enemy. It's in the valley of giants. And write this down. You should write this down. Get it. I mean, put this somewhere. The place of your greatest victory will be the area of your greatest test. Anybody ever get that one breakthrough? Come on, David. You know, he said, man, I, I, God gave me the bear. He gave me the lion. He said, all right, he gave me those two. He'll give me the giant. Did you know that there was another level that was to come? It wasn't one giant he was going to have to face. He was actually going into a valley of giants. So I promise you today, listen, if you had a breakthrough, don't be discouraged when a valley of giants shows up because there's a God of breakthrough on your side. Listen, this is the hour where we need to believe, where we need to receive, where we need to get back into the stronghold. We get back to the place of God's protection. We get back to that place and we begin to inquire of the Lord and pray and seek the face of God. Intimidation is the weapon of the enemy. And you can feel it when it comes. You know it. Like when you see that person who's sick and you think, oh, should I pray for them? And then all of a sudden, that voice of reason, well, you know, we do have to distance. Should I actually share the gospel? Well, oh, wait, I forgot my mask. I can't talk to them. You know what that is, right? Intimidation. Intimidation. That's what that is. And it's the enemy's tactic. And God's revealing this because he's the God of breakthrough. We've read this together, but I want to. I want us just to kind of keep keep going and and all week long as we have been praying in this place and believing in this place. In the very beginning, the Lord spoke this next point, and this is it. This is it. Humility is key. If you are going to deal with the enemy when he begins to move, when you're finally coming into your place, when you're finally beginning to take the step of faith of sharing your faith or praying for the sick or loving on somebody and just being kind and actually living your faith out and you're just coming into your place, expect that the enemy is going to move, expect that a temptation is going to come, but how are you really going to get through it? Humility. You say, what do you mean by humility? Here it is. Humility is believing what God said about you. Biblical humility is believing that God, what God has said about you. We prayed it this morning in here. 
I can guarantee you most of us do not go around saying what Jesus said about us. Matter of fact, if you just walk into your husband or wife and say, hey, I just really wanted to tell you something. Man, I was so encouraged by this. I think you'll be encouraged by this too. Let me share this with you. I am the light of the world. <laughs> your spouse would be like, Not sure. We don't walk around saying what Jesus said, but that's what he said in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you're the light of the world. And you know what happens? False, false religion raises up in, inside of us and says, oh, no, no, we can't say that. We've got to say things like, I'm just a sinner. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Those are the words of Jesus. It's just not the identity he gives us. And I want to tell you, biblical humility is the key in this hour. It's the key in this hour. Daring to believe what God says about you is real humility. When you don't believe what God says, it's pride. It's pride. It's spiritual pride, and it leads you to ineffectiveness, and it stinks in the spirit. And people know it stinks. You know why? Because you're always saying something opposite of what God says about you, and you become like one of these Christian Eeyores. Y'all remember Eeyore? <laughs> Come on, and when, when we had wholesome uh, cartoons, Winnie the Pooh? Here's Eeyore, right? Oh, woe is me. He's just drooping around, you know. You see the drag marks from where he's been. Many Christians are like that. They're just dragging in the sand. All around, just, I'm just dragging through life. Woe is me. They, they agree with their flesh. They agree with what everybody else has said of them. And then all of a sudden, they read the Bible and they say, Jesus says, you're the light of the world, a city that, ca that can't be hidden. He says, you belong on a lampstand. And you're going, oh, not me. And you're just skidding away as your spiritual bottom drags behind you. <laughs> You know what that is? It looks like weakness, but it's pride. It's pride. When you, when you reject what God is saying about you, what the, the, the identity that he's given you, it is the highest form of spiritual pride. It's like, what do you mean that the creator doesn't get to define his creation? That suddenly I take ownership of my identity. By the way, especially when you've died. And he raised you to life, that gives him all the reins he needs to define you. Humility is the key. I love this. David was anointed over his brothers. He had all kinds of reason to be prideful. He, like, he could have said, Jesse, you forgot me. I'm out here taking care of your sheep. You line up your good looking sons, but you forgot about me. Samuel had to come find me in the back of the stable. I'm out there cleaning the stall. And yet God saw me and he anointed me. He could have been all kinds of prideful. He could have talked bad to Absalom. 
He could have talked bad to all these people, but listen, what you see in David's life that led to incredible breakthrough is humility. He believed what God said about him. He says, I have anointed you as king. And he ultimately says of David, he says, of your lineage, there will be no end. You know why? Because Christ came through a boy who dared to believe what God said about him. Humility is the key. So what did he do? He went back to the stronghold and inquired of the Lord. David prayed. I want to tell you, church, if we're going to see the God of breakthrough work in tremendous ways, in signs, wonders, and miracles, it will be because we take the identity that he has given us as the church. Are you ready for it? He said this, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Oh, it was followed by an indictment. He said, but you've made it a den of thieves. He turned over tables. Do you remember this? I stood in the place where they were actually raking in the cash, selling turtle doves to the poor. They're they're raking in the cash, overpricing the elements of worship so these people could come before the Lord and do what they were told to do. He turned those tables. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And by the way, it's still our identity today. And the church, when she steps into humility, she will see the God of breakthrough show up. Notice what happens. In verse 20, he says, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? The Lord said, go up for I will doubtless deliver them into you. I love that. I love this. This is God talking to himself. He goes, oh, I've got no doubt I'm going to deliver them into your hands. Well, you know, if God's got no doubt, we've got no reason to doubt. I will doubtless. He didn't say, "Uh, I don't know if it's going to work out for you. I don't know. Come on, David, let's use wisdom. David didn't use wisdom. He, he used the skin on his knees that had become calloused from seeking the Lord in the shadow of his wings. He used, the, he used his history with God to say, God, shall I go up against him? He said, I will doubtless deliver them into your hand. I love this. So David went. And David defeated them there. Now, you need to get this. And David went. And David went. What did David go on? A word. Active faith faith in God's word precedes a revelation of God. Active faith in what God has said precedes the revelation. There's coming a revelation in this story. It's the title of this sermon, The God of Breakthrough. But before he ever knows God and gives him this title, this is David saying, this is a revelation no one's ever seen this way before. He actually says it this way. You are Yahweh the breakthrough in Hebrew. That's what he says. You're Yahweh the breakthrough. But before that, he's Yahweh the word. 
All he has is this, I will doubtless deliver them into your hand. And I wonder tonight, because I feel like there's some people right now who have a word from God, but are you moving on the word God has given you? Or are you still standing waiting for something to happen on the battlefield before you take a step into your destiny? If you want a real revelation of the greatness of God, you're going to have to step out on a word. You're going to have to step out into some things that you don't have a history of. You don't have a revelation of. Now you say, well, I've never raised the dead. Well, me neither. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go on a word that says, heal the sick, raise the dead. I've never done that. Well, until you raise the dead, you'll never know him as the God who raises the dead. Let, let, we, let's just boil it down. Let's just, how about the God that provides? Until you step out in faith and you begin to sow into the kingdom and you start to live a life of generosity, you, you'll never have a revelation of the God of provision. Why? Because you need a word. And the word is... I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Some of you need to take a word and leave the stronghold of prayer and start to move in faith towards your destiny. Move with the anointing that's on your life. Move with the touch that's on your life. You've got enough. It's you and God. You've got a word from heaven. You've got direction. Start moving. It'll lead to revelation. I love this. He is the Lord of breakthrough. Now, here's, here's the great part. There's some things in the story that are told and other things that are not told. Uh, generally speaking, the, uh, the Israelites always carried the ark of God out to battle. It was like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to carry out the presence of God to battle. Because basically, every time they brought God with them to the battle, they won. Basically. There were some times when they said, hey, we're going to try to use God as a prop. And God's like, eh, nobody's prop. You're going to have to fix that. And so when they carried God's presence, the, the Philistines said, huh, those Israelites bring their God out to the battle. Maybe we should try that. And here, can you see them? They're just carving up their idols. They're like, ooh, this one, man, that one right there. I don't know what it was made out of, wood, metal. They're carving it up, shaping it up, whatever it becomes. They're like, ooh, man, I really hope this God brings us victory over those Israelites. And here they go, the Philistines, out to battle. David's got a word and the presence of God, and the enemy has Nothing. Nothing. I love this. David goes out to fight, starts defeating the Philistines, and what happens? They drop their idols. They threw them down. They're like, this ain't working. Some of us should have learned that lesson from our Philistine friends. 
oh man, I, I, just, I just need another football game and I'll have some peace. I, I just need, I need, I need to go see a movie. Yeah, well, you're going to have to watch a rerun from three years ago and it just opened up. You can watch that mess on Netflix. You can see it anywhere. Why, why are you going up in there? This will work. This will make me feel better. This will bring me peace in a pandemic. I want to tell you, the people of God, what, what do they do? They move on a word. They're not carrying the weight of idolatry. They're carrying the presence of God, which he said, and what Jesus said. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to carry you into your destiny. I'm going to carry you and you are going to see that I am the God of breakthrough. I love the fact that I was in this room tonight. Here we are in the middle of the pandemic. I've driven around places. All kinds of places are closed. Other cities are shut down. I tell you, when I go, I've driven in Tampa, driven in Orlando, seeing other places. And thank God for the, the amount that we are open here in Florida. Thank God for that, but I, I want to tell you that this nation everywhere else is closed down, and yet I look around tonight, and there's a room full, full of people in the presence of God with hands lifted who are experiencing the presence of God. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm thankful to have a word from God to have let down some idols over, the, over this last year, to let go of some things that were weighing us down as a church, and we're casting them down and realizing, man, those things weren't bringing us victory anyway oh I needed something lighter I needed a God of breakthrough to come into my life I needed him to come and show up in such a way that it doesn't matter what giants are arrayed against me he's the one that brings breakthrough that's the key oh the victory was so mighty the Philistines abandoned their idols that they trusted for victory I'm, I'm going to say this on tape because I do believe this. I feel like the Lord told me that in this nation, those who trust idols, that they're going to turn on themselves and actually consume each other. You watch. You're going to need to be steadfast over these next few months, church. You're, you're going to need to know where the stronghold is. You're going to need to know the presence of God. You're going to need to know your calling. You're going to know that you need to know that there is victory over intimidation and over every voice that is assailed against you and your calling in this time. You are going to need to know it. But here's what you also need to know. There is victory in Christ. And I believe that God is about to supernaturally have the enemies of the cross that are in this nation. They're actually about to turn on each other. Mark it down. You'll see it. I see it in my spirit. It's just like when four lepers went out. Armies and armies arrayed. They're like, well, we're going to die anyway. No food. Nothing good. All of a sudden, God goes out, turns the armies on each other. They destroy each other, and beggars become billionaires. Read your Bible. It's so good. So good. And then they get convicted about being so wealthy. They're like, we should share this with everyone else. It's good news. Can I just, uh, just say to you that basically from this story is this. 
David then declares in the Valley of Giants that God is the God of breakthrough. Where does he declare that God is the God of breakthrough? In the Valley of Giants. In the Valley of Giants. It is in the place of greatest opposition. It's the place of greatest intimidation. It's in the place where God brings a victory. He says, then I know you as the God of breakthrough. Now, you keep reading the story, though. Because it's one heck of a party when you get a revelation of God. How many know the enemy doesn't quit, though? The enemy said, now this is how we know that the enemy is not super intelligent. Philistines come right back to the same valley and they try it again. You ever had the devil try the same trick again after you got the breakthrough? Like you're like, this ain't going to work. I can remember a time I had just turned 30 and I was dealing with a health crisis. My heart was racing like crazy. I would just be uh, just doing something uh, rather normal. Then all of a sudden my heart rate would go from 80 or 90 beats to a minute to over 200 beats a minute. And all of a sudden, a matter of fact, one time years and years and years and years and years ago it happened when I was standing here preaching in the place uh, for our former pastor, he, I was filling in that Sunday, and I'm preaching, and you know how I preach, you know. <laughs> you know, I try to channel my inner Presbyterian, it just doesn't work. Um, it's broke, it's broke. So, it's broke. It's a couple pages back, Pentecostal. Okay, uh, and so here I am preaching, my heart goes to racing. I was standing right here, and the enemy comes. The enemy comes, says, I'm going to kill you right here on stage in front of everybody. It's a real deal when you start to stand in your place and the enemy comes. I, listen, I'm not trying to make light of your battle. I have been in that place, but I have also been in the place where supernaturally God shows up. And I see God of the breakthrough come. And all the anxiety and all of the angst and all of the worry lifts off. And all of a sudden, I'm completely free. Listen, I was in ministry. I can remember standing in my shower, beating on the wall, saying what God was saying about me. You will live and not die and declare the wondrous works of God. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where a valley of giants is shouting you down. I kind of feel like there's probably somebody here tonight. The valley, it's shouting at you. I just want you to know there's doubtless victory coming for you. But when the enemy, what's the enemy do? Enemy tries to come back and do the same thing. Have that little symptom show back up. I'm like, you know what? After that, I just go right back to prayer. And all I hear is doubtless victory. I'm like, oh, I'm not getting back into, into worry, angst. I'm not getting back into any of that. No way. The God of breakthrough showed up. God, what do you want me to do? He says, go get in the shade. That's what he said. Go get in the mulberry trees. He goes, don't go stand out in the sun with your armor gleaming. Go get in the shade. We're going to circle around behind them. 
And when you hear the God of angel armies advancing over you, then you will know I've given you the victory. And that's what happens. He just he humbled himself. He knew the place of prayer. He humbled himself and said, the God of breakthrough gave me breakthrough in the valley of giants before. God, what do you want me to do? He goes, just go get in the shade. I'll take care of this. That's a word from God for somebody tonight. You need to get into the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. You need to get in the shade of his protection tonight because God's got a word for you. It is this. I'll fight this battle for you. And then when David stepped out, he drove the enemy completely out of the land. The God of breakthrough is here tonight. The God of breakthrough is here tonight. He wants you to understand what the warfare's been all about. We're finally stepping into a place. We're finally moving into a moment of awakening. In 2019, we saw nearly 400 people make decisions for Christ. And now we move into 2020 and things are turned upside down. And I want to tell you, when you finally step into your place, you ought to expect some opposition. You ought to expect intimidation. But you too ought to know where to go. Get back in the stronghold of prayer. Get back in that place before before God where you say God I'm calling on you and I'm only going to do what you reveal church this is the plan of the last hour if you try to work any other plan it won't work the plan of the last hour is this two words seek God seek God don't just don't just collect notes seek God pray and the God of breakthrough will come. And not just once, but again and again and again and again. He wants to silence some giants tonight.